Hey everyone, good to be with you. Thank you for being with me. You know, investing in the property market can be a great way, as you know, to build wealth and secure your financial future. However, it can also be a minefield of like challenges. And I don't think many people tell you that from like finding the right property to like navigating. It's a pretty competitive market out there, right? Um, so from securing finance to managing your properties effectively as a property investor, there's like a lot you have to face and like some challenges include a finding properties that meet your criteria b navigating that competitive market and actually securing the best deal in that market c evaluating the potential for rental and capital growth d complying with like lots of regulations and minimizing the risk around those and d i think we're up to securing finance and managing your properties effectively so like in other words it's um i don't want to say it's like damn hard to succeed but it's not easy either it's not a walk in the park or anything like that so whether you're just starting out you know already own properties or you've just invested in your first property i want you to know this like getting the right knowledge and setting up the right infrastructure so to speak and executing properly is really the key to property success. And I'm going to be just going into one of those A to Ds today. I'm going to be going deep into C, which is evaluating the potential for rental growth. Okay, we want to get a pay rise every single year from our investment properties. So the first part of this episode is actually just how to ensure, you know, the rent rises every year, even before buying your investment property, okay? How to ensure yearly income rises even before buying any property. And the second part of this episode is all about lessons for beginners in Australia, how to start your property investing smartly so you have no regrets. Here we go. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. I've just uh, raised rents in all of my properties across my portfolio, and that's given me another five to six thousand dollars of of income um, for 2020. All right, and that's that's something that probably took me less than less than 20 minutes to do because I just had to message my property managers and they took care of it. Um, and it's a win-win situation. This is the most important thing. I benefit from that, but also my tenants benefit from that. So when it comes to property investing, you know, people think that all there is to property investing is buying a house wherever in your local neighborhood and, and you know, it'll take care of itself. It's really not like that. Just like an iceberg, you see a tip of it above the water surface, but the majority of the iceberg is underneath the surface of the water. Property investing is just like that. 
People who do it well make it seem, you know, simple, just like the top of the iceberg, but there's so many strategies, so many tactics, so much knowledge and know-how and expertise below the surface that advanced property investors invest their time to understand, and that's why they can make it look easy, right? So I just wanted to talk about the the two statistics or the two metrics that help me sleep at night when it comes to managing my properties and that allow me to then raise rents every year, increase my income from my portfolio every year, whilst it being a win-win situation for the tenants and myself. Okay, so the first one, first metric I think everyone knows, uh, or a lot of people know, it's vacancy rate. Right, so obviously the lower the vacancy rate, the less likelihood of your properties at some point in time remaining empty, right? So I think I've only had one issue with um, vacancy. I've got a large portfolio about five years ago. I bought this property in Brisbane and it took about a month to rent out. You know, I can empathize with those of you who are property investors all those of you who are wanting to become property investors but have this monkey on the back that you know what if the what if the tenants trash the place what if the the property remains vacant it's going to be a really dud investment all that all that sort of noise that's in your head i can empathize with that because i experienced that for a month but since that time not one of my properties and i have more than 5 properties um in a residential space not even including commercial not even one of my properties has seen a tenant leave, right? And the reason is because the vacancy rate of the areas, of the suburbs, the postcodes where I buy is very low. So what I always recommend is go for a, a, a suburb, obviously with all the right checks and balances, all the other right metrics to drive capital growth, but go for a, a vacancy rate that is sub 3%. Now, obviously, that's common knowledge, or at least, you know, uh, for those of you who have invested in your knowledge to some extent, that's common knowledge, but I always go for something that's less than 2%, right? Less than 2% vacancy. And in my cash flow for every year, I always budget at least one week of vacancy. And the reason I budget one week, week of vacancy is because that can be quite material. That can be, for some of my properties, it can be up to $700 of lost rent. But what I do is I invest in places not only with vacancy rates of less than 2%, but also the percentage of, of renters in that suburb has to be around 30%, right? This is a metric that not many property investors pay enough attention to. The other way to look at it is the percentage of owner occupiers, so the non-renters, around 70%. Now, you don't want this to be above 90%, because what that means is that if all of the suburb, or almost all of the suburb, is owner-occupiers, you know, people who live in that house and own it, it's not an investment property, it's not, you're not a tenant, what that means is that when you do have an investment property in that suburb, and when it does have vacancy, it's really hard to fill that investment property with another tenant, because it's not the kind of place that tenants want to live. You know, it's a suburb where owner-occupiers um, attract, 
are attracted to. It's not the kind of place that's on the wish list of most tenants. It could be too expensive, it could be too far away from the city, all these sorts of things, right? So make sure that your own occupier percentage is less than 90%. I normally try for something around 60 to 75%, all right? And you don't want to be too low either. You don't want to uh, a suburb, invest in a suburb where the owner-occupier percentage is like 50%. Because that means that there's so many uh, rentals available, so many investment properties. There's so many, so much tenancy around that suburb that when your property comes up for uh, renewal and your tenant doesn't renew their lease, then you're fighting and you're competing with almost 50 or 40 percent of the the housing stock in that suburb, right? And so that's the reason why the the sweet spot is around 65 to 75 percent owner occupiers, right? Not too high because then tenants aren't even attracted to the area. Not too low because then there's so many rentals out there and you're fighting with almost half the um, uh, half the properties in the suburb to get your lease out, okay? So these are some ways that um, I always recommend that you can manage your properties, um, you can find your properties, sorry, in a way that management becomes easy. And this is because, you know, my students and, and myself, we follow these types of strategies that's why every year we can increase the rent, increase the rent, increase the rent, and that's mutually beneficial for me and also for my tenants because we invest money in making sure those houses are, are as good, if not better, than any that they could find in the suburb. We invest in the maintenance of the house, we treat them right, and sometimes I actually get, um, believe it or not, I got a Christmas card um, from a tenant this year, and look, I did increase the, the rent $10 for that tenant, um, but the ultimate litmus, litmus test or barometer of whether they're happy is if they actually tell you that they're happy, and this tenant sent me a Christmas card, so you know, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. You never want to do anything in life which ex is exploitative. It needs to be a win-win situation. So that's what I would recommend even before you're starting your investment property journey so that you buy investment properties that are easy to manage. I've never had a vacancy, have never had a tenant leave any of my houses, and I've always put um, the, the rent up every single year. Okay, so I just wanted to, to share that um, information with you. Remember, property investment is a science, but it's also an art. Make sure you invest in yourself. Make sure you find the strategy that's right for you. And then make sure you understand all the layers beneath that so that you can make your investment property journey successful. Okay. The two metrics, the two measures that I've shared with you today, vacancy and owner-occupier percentage, are just two of the many that you need to understand. But you need to understand all of them because property can make you very wealthy, but could also set you back if you don't do it right. And now in the second part of the episode, let's talk about like the key lesson or lessons for beginners in Australia so you buy your first property with no regrets. Let's go. I'm seeing a lot of people um, being a bit blasé about their property investing. Look, I'm not getting anything out of it. 
Um, but please, please, please put in the work, both hard work and smart work to find the right suburb and find the right property. You know, don't think of it as, oh, let's just get any old thing and we'll start educating ourselves after the first investment or let le let's at least get our, um, you know, foot, in, foot into the door, onto the property ladder, and then we can start thinking about how we optimize after our second or third or fourth property. Look, I know so many people that have three properties and they're looking back and they're thinking, why did I buy those properties? You know, those properties aren't giving me the income that I want. They haven't gone up at all, or they've only gone up like $50,000 in the last three or four years, which, by the way, is not that great of a performance. Right, there's so many people that I talk to in that position and they're thinking, you know, is this all that property investment can give me? Okay, so guys, please put in the hard work and the smart work to get the right property from property number one, okay? Because a 1% difference in an increase in capital growth, right? So let's imagine your property goes, grows at 3% versus 4%. Putting in the right work to get that 4% growth property literally means, literally, literally means hundreds of thousands of dollars of additional capital gain over the course of, you know, you holding that property for 10, 20 plus years by the time you retire. And the thing is that not only is it going to give you much more capital gain or capital growth if you put in the right work and have the right system to buy the property, right? Not only is it about the capital growth, but that growth transforms into income. Okay, so where you could have had a $50,000 income from a single property, you may only get a $30,000 income, right? I know those numbers are, um, there's big differences between them, and the differences can be explained by the, the rule of compounding, okay? So um, obviously, any growth that you get in the short term is further exacerbated by growth in the, in the long term, um, and vice versa as well. So look, don't be one of those investors that thinks, you know, I've only got $50,000, um, you know, let me just get into the game. Let me just get into the property market and then, you know, things will take care of themselves afterwards. No, 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 no. Start from the start doing the right thing. Start from the very start becoming advanced because how your first property performs dictates how soon and what property you can get for the second one. And the second one dictates the third one and the third dictates the fourth one and then development potential, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so um, yeah, just a bit of a, I'm trying to be a bit alarmist here. Um, don't just get any old property. Don't just, you know, um, shoot by the hip and, and get any old property first for your first one. Work smart, work hard, get the right property. It'll reap rewards. So hopefully that brought you a ton of value guys. Thank you for lending me your ears and I just want to once again remind you that really this podcast is just an intro. It's I know it seems a lot um you know a lot of episodes are very in depth but really it's just an intro. I really want to invite you to join the community on the Facebook group Australian Property Mastery with PK. There's almost 40,000 amazing community members. There's so many investors who are hugely more successful than me. Like, let's all learn together. It's free. Please join. And also the YouTube community, also called Australian Property Mastery with PK. You know, there's almost 30,000 subscribers there. And there, the difference really with 
the episodes are that it's much more visual. So I've actually shared way more than 2,000 charts across almost 800 videos. So I think if you're a visual learner and you want to really visualize all of these lessons that I try to impart upon you that, and, and be evidence-based, I think that's a really important part, then, then join me on that YouTube. Both the links are in the show notes. And once again, thank you, and I'll see you next time. Bye.